Hello, hello, hello. It is Stu. It is the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And this is something I have not done in a in a while. I have not opened my book of business, meaning the gym owners and business owners I work with on a monthly recurring level in a hot minute because of COVID, because of my license model and urban movement stuff. Just really, really busy with that. But I have opened the book back up. For those of you guys who don't know, I only work with 40 micro gym owners and fitness business owners per month. That's it. It's the max that I do. I work with people. I literally month to month level, no contract. You get access to me for either 30 minutes once a month or one hour once a month. You get full access to micro gym university. You get a bat phone to me where you can text call, video message, whatever it is, audio message, and we can be in contact in between our calls. And that's how I go ahead and create custom tailored solutions to your business problems. So if you're looking to work with somebody where you're not stuck in some douchey fucking 12 month EFT contract, you have to give your banking information, you got to spend $6,000 up front, you literally want to get on a call, talk with me in real life, just me, where I just listen to you, talk to you, we talk about your problems, I come up with a solution, an executable plan, and then we tackle it together. And then in between that, you want Microgym University and be able to access me when you have you know, a fire go off in your business on a random Tuesday or some shit pops off late at night and you want my opinion on it, then shoot me a DM, let me know, because this is the first time I'm opening up to go back to 40 per month and it's going to fill up quick. Guys, we're going to get into the podcast here in a second, but just thank you for listening to the pre-roll. And I really do hope, like my goal is to work with as many of you guys in some capacity. If it's for one month, two months, fucking three years, I don't give a shit. But if you got some problems and you want someone to bounce ideas off of and help you create an executable plan of action, I hope that I'm your fucking guy. All right, on to the podcast. Alrighty, guys, what is up? It is Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. I have Push Press co-founder here, Dan Waymer. Second time on the podcast. First time we were talking a lot about uh, the content creation you guys are getting into and and kind of the role of that for Push Press. Everyone who's unfamiliar, Push Press is a member management software service that is very popular in the CrossFit micro gym industry. Um, Dan, man, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, man, my pleasure. I always love jamming with you. Yeah, I put you in that category of guys that like, um, I feel like the best content would be you and me just going to a bar or coffee shop and just talking shop on the industry, some things and like just having the camera rolling. This is the next best thing. But uh, you know, talk to me a little bit. What, uh, what have you guys been up to? Oh, a lot. So I mean, in general, what Push Press has been doing is um, we've been kind of building towards the future of what we feel software in general is moving towards. And that's, um, I guess if I could summarize it in one word, it's going to be kind of more of a done for you platform as opposed to uh, here's, here's the forms and you do it yourself type stuff. So a lot of groundwork has been being laid for that. And um, I mean, really, this is kind of a two-year vision that we're going to be executing on starting a couple months ago. So that's where we're Talk going. Talk to me about that done for you. Is there like, can you give me an example of someone, even in a different industry of something that's like that, like just so people are understanding what this is? Um, I mean, honestly, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I just know this is where the, where the world of software is going to be going. Excuse me. I just ate lunch. Uh, it's kind of a, kind of an earlier trend that's starting to happen. Um, and we're seeing it surface across all kinds of different, um, software verticals. 
I mean, I guess, I guess if we, if you want to extrapolate it, and this is me talking on the fly, like certain aspects of Uber's driver experience is probably done for you. Like they're routing huh? calls directly to people. They're getting the maps pulled up directly for them. Driver Got doesn't it. have to think like, how do I, how do I pick up the person and go from point A to point B? It's like all done for them and they just execute. Right. Got it. Okay. So it, for think of it that way, like, like in a gym, it's just like all of the, all of the operational um, waypoints are taken away for you and you just show up and execute. Yeah. And I, I certainly do not want to oversimplify what member management software is, it, but essentially in its bulk, we're talking uh, scheduling and billing, right? The bulk of the work for the most part, maybe like two of the main things. I mean, those are two of the cornerstone, what I'll call table stakes functionalities okay. of, of software. Okay. But yeah, it does encompass so much more access control and, you know, the pain, yeah, like you mentioned, the payments and scheduling, staff management. Um, announcements, managing your reporting. community. Like, there's a lot to it. Yeah, reporting. It, and, and dude, I can go into a whole other segment if you want to do another podcast of how yeah. data is actually, data isn't what the holy grail everyone thinks it is. Um, it can be manipulated in too many ways. There's too many ways to define how to report on it. What the, the, big, the big understanding I had um, and some recent stuff I've been working on is data is more like a, a compass. It's not a map. Right. It kind of will guide you in a direction, but it won't tell you the answer. It won't how you get there. I always, cause you know, and I don't know, maybe I've seen yours or haven't, but there's always the fucking Zen planner inaugural fucking report for all their gyms. And it gives these indicators and all that. And Cooper, you know, comments that he's got one and everyone's got one. None of the numbers look exactly the same. And then <clears> I'm sitting here like, you're taking a bunch of data that has got a high, high degree of bad user entry. Like, you know, how many, yeah. you know this, how many gym owners are putting in shit into the wrong revenue category in their fucking, when they're creating their packages, PT, whatever it may be. So, uh, so, okay, go back to done for you. If those, you know, scheduling, billing reports, things like that, what other things are we talking about? Um, and as much as you can maybe say right now, yeah, and, if it, and we can maybe save it for a future piece. Yeah, no, we totally. So I think some, some of this will save for a future piece. We are going to do an announcement. And I think this podcast will come out before our announcement on March 31st, which will paint a pretty, a clearer picture. Um, let's see what's something I can talk about. So I'll talk about, um, churn, right. So that's an industry term. We'll call it like members canceling as a less industry jargony term. We've already put together a data model, which like looks across all of our gyms over the last decade of membership activity. And we know who quits and when they quit and what activities did or didn't lead up to a quitting event, right? So we found about 159 data points that we were able to analyze in terms of like what vectors turned into a member who quit. And um, we're able to put together what we call our churn model. It's a data model that basically will predict churn now in, in gyms, right? Very and impressive. it's um, it's a it's a machine learning algorithm or a machine learning data model in that, it, over time and based on your gym type and the region you're in or and you know like certain factors, it will start to understand better like better and better what produces churn in your gym. Okay, so done for you like so the current model today is like every system has this, we have it, and it's again dumb software. It's like here's your list of people who haven't come to the gym in the last seven sure. days. Right, good start. Really doesn't tell you much, you know but it's, it's a good start. And it's good because like, and this has been validated by our models, the number one, two, three, and four reasons people quit are like, they're not coming to the gym. They're not checking into the gym. They're not making reservations at the gym. You know, it's all having to do with being in physically the gym, right? Um, what we're starting to learn is like the ancillary reasons people quit can be seen before all that, right? Because by the time someone comes, hasn't come to the gym for 14 days, you're kind of fucked, right? Unless they've had a vacation or a life event. So 
um, one of the biggest indicators we found of, of a churning member um, that isn't check-in or, or visitation related is if they've purchased something in the last 30 or 60 days, anything, yeah. right? So with that in mind, we can start to see earlier, like, is someone going to quit the gym, right? And so again, the, the current model is just like, here's a list of people, do with it what you will. If you even have the time to look at it, you know, you don't really know what it means or how it impacts your gym or what percentage anything is going to happen. New model is going to be, here's the three people you need to talk to today. Um, the, these are the reasons you need to talk to them. This is the percentage likelihood they're going to quit in the next 30 days. This will be your revenue impact if they do. Here's our recommended course of action. So as you're saying all this, my mind goes to, I just, uh, girlfriend, I just watched these movies recently, Margin Call and The Big Short. If anyone's familiar with those, it deals with the the housing crisis and the economic collapse in uh, 2008. But there were models of housing collapses um, even as early as the early 1900s. And there's markers of volatility. There are patterns. And if you watch these movies, essentially what a lot of these guys just recognize is they just happen to match up the markers of present day. And with these historic markers, like, oh, fuck, these are matching up pretty tightly. Some bad shit's about to happen. So what you're essentially saying is things like, this is a term not a lot of gyms use. I use it all the time. Utilization rate, cap of 25 20 people show up, you only utilize 90% of your spots in that class mm-hmm. that day, right? So utilization rates, attendance patterns, purchases, which is very interesting. Um, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, retail purchases, food, beverage, apparel, shit like that, additional services. So the, these markers that you guys have recognized out of your, your focus group of these gyms that are in your system, and now we're going to use these in a AI learning scenario to predict so is it like one of these things where I'm sitting here in uh, end of March and I'm predi- I'm seeing potential projections of retention or you know attrition and AKA churn for April? Exactly. Yeah, and it might even be shorter term than April. It might be like in the next 14 days, these four people have an 82% chance rate of high risk clients. Right? Yeah, and it's just going to be a finer tune. Like if I show somebody a list of like these people haven't been in the gym in seven days, you kind of know these people might churn or might not churn, but. Um, you know, we can actually give them more data, right? This percent chance of churning, this much revenue impact, this person's one of your biggest spenders over the last 24 months. So it's like, this is a big fish, to, you know, like much more data, stuff that a human being would understand. But if, uh, I mean, going, going back to some of the things you talk about, if you want to start getting your coaches to do the work for you, right? You're just delivering to your coaches. Like you, th- these people normally go to your 6 PM class, talk to these two or text them. Right. Or, and this is kind of like where we're going to be announcing in the next week. The future state of this in the done for you model is here's two people you need to talk to. Do you want me to do it? Meaning the system, or do you want to handle it yourself? Or do you want to yeah. sign it to a coach? Right. This is super interesting. So I, I had a client recently and he calls and does the freak out thing of a you know, month and a half ago or whatever. He's like, man, I've got a bunch of clients that have not been into the gym for whatever days, days, days. And I'm, I'm kind of getting nervous. Like, are they going to cancel? And I was like, it's fucking spring break, bro. It's like, oh, yeah. fuck, I totally forgot. Gym owners forget about their own cyclical holidays that happen in their own communities. And this also comes down to when I, I just strangle gym owners around the holidays because every gym owner is a fucking martyr. They want to talk about it working 98 hours a week. I'm like, then why around Christmas and Thanksgiving are you still open at full capacity when your average util- utilization rate in December is 36%? Cut some of those classes. So could software, like, could your tech help a gym owner maybe make holiday-based or seasonal-based changes to their schedule based on utilization? Yeah, that's another great point. Um, and this is all something that's like under exploration and hasn't really been thought through or worked in, in much detail. So don't hold me to my feet too much to the fire. But 
I mean, imagine if we could start auto consolidating classes based on utilization, right? Or yeah, predicting in the future or just telling a gym owner, like this class has deteriorated from 80 to 60 yes. to 40 to 20% yes. utilization. And again, it's stuff that they kind of anecdotally know in the back of their head, but you can't act on every little thought that you have with, with certainty unless the data starts to show, right? Um, and, and, and so on the flip side of that, it could be like, yeah, it's dwindled to 30% utilization, and these people who normally went all the time now aren't coming, but they're also not going to any class. So do you want me to start texting them and saying like, there's open spots in your favorite class, your favorite coach is still coaching, like, come on down, right? Since you guys integrated, you, you know, uh, your CRM, which is, is it connect? What's it called? Oh, grow, 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 sorry, grow. Now the two systems we be able, well, the technology from the member management and be able to integrate there with your CRM. So that communication is not automated necessarily, maybe automated, but it essentially in one step closer so that the coach or GM, whoever it is can plug and go and get in yeah. contact with people. Yeah. Over time, the, the, the lines will kind of blur. Um, the way I see the, the grow CRM or the auto communication piece of it is um, we want to get to a point where it's, it's what I call man in the middle technology, where the system is firing off introductory communications, which spark a conversation, which a coach can jump into the middle of and yep. continue. Right. Yeah. No, I agree hundred percent real quick. I want to go back to utilization rates on that. So that's been something in the past, I, you know, COVID really helped me on that, but pre COVID, I had the hardest time getting people to understand this idea that you really, it's like you own a venue, you own an airline, you have a set number of seats, or at least you should, you should know how many people you can entertain per class and the traditional CrossFit gym be like, well, it depends on the programming. I'm like that level of inconsistency is, you know what, you could have 20 people one day and only 15 people the next, like that's not going to work from a client experience standpoint. Are you finding, because in order to determine utilization rate, you have to have a class cap. Are you finding more gyms running with a class cap model, like putting caps in the system, or they're running with what I call open enrollment? You know what? Honestly, that's something I personally haven't looked into, and that is a data point we, we could and should pull. Um, anecdotally speaking, I think most people do put a cap on their classes, especially when COVID, once COVID yeah. came. And um, I mean, I don't know if it's because they just never went back and uncapped it or if you know they they've just said hey this works and we're going to keep rolling with it but yeah. i think yeah i mean our check-in utilization reservation especially reservation utilization and class cap type concepts have all like exponentially increased since since um since covid and to that to that like i remember before covid i used to beat my head on the wall i'm like why wouldn't a lot of gyms didn't even have people check in and I'm like, that's the, your most important data point to know if someone's about to quit. Like, so, so for any gym out there who doesn't run check-ins and doesn't enforce check-ins, that's like the simplest thing you can do to actually start to understand your business a little bit better, right? 100%. If you got a, if you got a, a teenage daughter or son and they're going somewhere, you're like, check it, let me know. But then you, you want your 300 customers, 200 customers at your gym that are paying you monthly and you know the number one correlation is them not paying you anymore is them not coming in. You're not going to have a data point that you can access from your phone at home at 9 p.m. on a Tuesday. It's absolutely insane. So, okay, software company. And again, for everyone, I'm, I'm, I don't own a software company. I don't own a SaaS product. Um, I get to my, get to talk with a lot of people who do do this. And to make these changes, I know every gym owner is always like, well, why can't we make this happen? That To make big, significant changes, kind of like what it sounds like Push Press has got coming down the pipeline, takes a lot of time and a lot of money. 
right? Yeah, and these are yeah. very expensive. And, and again, it's it's so hard because it's software. It's not like you're erecting a fucking 25-story tower that everyone can correlate with dollars and cents. These are things that have hidden prices that the average consumer might not be able to always see at the forefront. Talk to me about what that process looks like. You guys are a, a medium-sized business, you know, small to medium-sized business, and you're having to take on, you know, raise funds and do things to make this thing happen. What does yeah. that look like on your end? I mean, I, I can understand how from a customer standpoint, a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear feedback of like, uh, you know, there's just these certain really easy things you need to do to make this system perfect, right? And that isn't just for us, that's for, for every software, yes. even Microsoft is facing that type of a thing, right? Um, it's just really hard, like you said, and I, I don't know how to explain this without literally just saying those words. Building software is hard. It takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of planning, especially when you're dealing in a small micro gym type economy or world where, you know, I could present one, like, how do you sell private training? There's 15 different models to sell private training. So you have to understand all 15, architect the software for 15, make sure it all works together. Then there, you know, it's like, then, then certain bugs will emerge from it because it just invariably happens in software. But do you move on to the next thing people want to get built or do you continue building the bugs? Engineers are probably the most expensive job on the planet that isn't a C-level person. Um, I actually, for, I, I forecast within our lifetime, we'll see million dollar a year engineers. They're going to be like uh, CAA represented uh, rock, legit rock stars, the engineers yeah. will be. So, and so for everyone listening, you know, to, whatever your member management software you have, you got to think about it. You have the, we all have the most complaints on the software and SaaS products we use on an everyday basis. That's just the fact it is. Whatever you use more, you'll have more critiques of it, more wishes and wants of it. And your wishes and wants might be the loud minority. It might be the, the loud majority, it, it, wherever that may fall. But think about like software that you use once a month. You probably don't have to make complaints about it because you're not in it enough. But these are like, your member management software is life. You're in it every single day of your business your staff is in it. And when they don't understand or they don't like something, you're hearing that. So I get that compounding domino effect. I, I live that, you know, as a, as a gym owner. Um, it is, it's one of those things where you guys, yeah, I think that's a great kind of like, okay, do we work on all these things everyone's complaining about and bugs they want us to fix? Cause with enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow or do we boom, do we dig in and we go to the next thing? Right. And that's, I got to imagine it's gotta be a tough, uh, a tough conversation for you and the leadership team to have. It's a balancing act. And, and to be completely transparent, um, we're basically rebuilding push press as it's flying as well. So um, we recognize pretty early on technology is one of those things that never stops evolving. And the software that is built five years ago is pretty much a dinosaur, you know, already like every five years technology shifts enough. So we've been rebuilding push press for the future. So a lot of times it's like, Oh, if you just fix these bugs, things will be great but we're busy rebuilding the entire thing into new technology now. So we can't just fix the bug today. We've got to, we've got to continue with the investment we've made on the underlying infrastructure. So it's like, we're basically building a 25 story skyscraper that has to be renovated every you know couple of years. Every floor has to be renovated every couple of years. So it's, it's tough. You guys look at the scene and you see the rise, you know, um, franchises didn't slow down during COVID mom and pop independent locations slow down and declined that kind of thing. But franchising kept, kept going through the fucking roof. You guys, um, is push press. I mean, last time we spoke, your main avatar is a, um, a CrossFit affiliate or like an independently owned, you know, uh, micro gym type scenario. Is that still going to be your main target audience going forward with this new rendition, this new version of push press, or this will expand to something that could be, um, at an enterprise caliber for, you know, 64 franchise locations. 
Um, I think the, the concept of enterprise caliber software will come in time for us, but it's only because we're going to expand push press to service, um, you know, smaller gyms in a way that will end up helping franchises, right? And that's going to be in the concept of roll up reporting. If you have known three gyms, like the three gyms can work together, you can share check-ins, you can have financial like arrangements between them. Um, probably going to work towards a, a model of called syndication, which is probably you heard it here first. Like this is a new concept that we've had. Actually, it's an old concept we have. We just never had time to work on it where you might be able to team up with other gyms across America and create your own Equinox style syndicate. And just say like, if you join my gym here, uh, you can also go to these, all of these other gyms, you know, and we, that's where the roll-up reporting and, and cost sharing and check-in sharing kind of comes into play. Once we kind of do those things, then I think it opens up the door to franchise markets, but we're not doing it to get into franchise markets. Got it. Yeah. And um, the team. So you guys, one of your core values is you guys like, you believe in small teams of highly qualified, experienced people. What, what how does that change with the team? Because obviously the more you do, the more hands on deck you might need. How does push press scale and grow without getting too big that we're bureaucracy and, and you become like a Titanic. You're super slow to get shit done. I mean, that's um, on one hand, that's kind of the inevitable problem with growing is uh, you have to slow down a little bit. I mean, we've already experienced it, but I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. There was a phase of push press where a client would text me and say they want a feature. I would just write it right there, push the code. Shit might break, shit might work. You know, like who knows Like we didn't have a QA team. We didn't have a testing procedure. It was just yeah. like, that's where we were. Um, so now it's like, it's a little better to slow down, write some proper specs on things, understanding who's going to work on it. Where does it fit in the roadmap there, you know, bureaucracy isn't necessarily bad bureaucracy, bureaucracy for bureaucracy's sake is not good, but if there's a purpose behind it, I think it's okay. That being said, there's, there are ways that you can structure your team. So you're building pods of people who can move independently and fast. And I'm not a military guy, but I feel like there's military uh, operations where it's like, you've got pods of eight where like, it might be a massively complicated operation, but you've got teams of eight doing their own thing and they all kind of converge on one big mission. And that's how we've kind of built things. What are the conversations you and the push press, you know, the executive team, the leadership team over there have about everyone listening about what you're seeing in the micro gym thing? Cause you're seeing the numbers, you're seeing the number of clients, you're seeing the Facebook post and the Instagram, this and that. Like, what is your opinion looking in at all these owners and micro gym and studio owners as a guy who's supplying a utility to them? I mean, is it like, fuck, what are they doing? Or, oh man, they're doing a better job. Or like, how does that go? I'm just curious. It's, I mean, I think it's a super interesting question. And the age old answer to this is like, kind of like we're, we're working in an industry where these operators aren't focusing enough on learning how to operate a solid business, right? The, the, the thing about that, that I've come to realize in the last six months is they're not going to have to, which is, you know, kind of maybe a shocker to someone in your position, but I, I do think it's our mission as software companies, and it should be the mission of our com competition to basically do everything we can to allow a gym owner to come in, work with their clients, give them high fives, tell, you know, all of the emotional stuff, right. And empathetic stuff. And the software should be basically teeing up all the rest of the business for them or handling it all for them. So there's not much that they can fuck up, honestly. Yeah. What, I mean, so, but uh, let's expand on that. How do you feel? How do you feel about the brick and mortar industry right now? And you can, you, we can talk COVID ish or post COVID if you want kind of scenario. But like when you look at it is, you know, from the last time we spoke, 
2019, I think that was. Um, it, what is, uh, what's your opinion on what's going on? What do you see in a trend wise? What do you see in working? What's interesting to you? Are there certain brands that have kind of, you know, perked up your ears, that kind of thing? I think the biggest thing that I've been kind of on um, a thesis rant about in lately, mostly to my team, but, you know, to some, like to some folks outside is uh, I recently moved from LA to Las Vegas. And the, the one of the bigger epiphanies I had when I did that was, so the space we operate in is called SMB, small and medium-sized businesses. And most SMBs across all platform, across all industries have the same problems we do, right? You can, we can talk about a hairstylist or a, or a brewery. Um, in fact, I call breweries like the 2022 version of a CrossFit gym. It's like some dude who got some excited idea and opened a yeah. brewery, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, if you, if you go to your brewery and talk to the owner, same thing, like I don't have enough leads. I, I struggle running the business. I have a million things to do and I don't know what to do. It's the same exact thing that I talked to CrossFit gyms. Anyway, so when I moved to Vegas, what I realized is SMB are never going to go away because it's culture, right? Like if you moved into an area and there were no microbreweries, there were no third wave, third wave coffee roasters, there was nothing. And it was just like Pete's and fucking Coors, Coors breweries yeah. around. It yep. would suck. You know what yes. I mean? Like the whole, the whole culture of your local environment would feel so dry. You would want to kill yourself. So, Which would create the rise and opportunity for SMBs for to SMBs. show up. Yeah, exactly. So they're never going to go away. There's a place. Like if you don't value something, like you're going to, if, so if, I can't think of an example. Like example, like if you don't value coffee, you're going to go to Starbucks. If you value coffee or the experience of coffee, you're going to go to the little coffee shop around your area because you like everything about it you like, right? Same with fitness. The people who value fitness are always going to find their way into a micro gym or at least something boutique-y, right? Never going to go away. So on that end, really, really good. There will always be demand for, because fitness is one of those things that like it or not, people identify their, their innermost person to. So there's like any, in any, in any city right now, 20% of the people there identify as a fitness person. It doesn't matter if they're an accountant or it doesn't matter if they're a coach in a gym, they identify as a fitness person. These are all the people in your gyms now. So SMB is not going to go away, but the cool thing is I think in the next five years, software companies like ours are going to be helping SMBs legit become better businesses by taking business off, taking work off their plate and using data and some advanced software stuff that's now available to help them get their, get the stuff that they don't like to do done without either their interaction at all, or with minimal, like human processing power behind it. Right. Yeah. I, uh, going to back to your thing. So I want to talk, I want to dig on this a little bit. So individuals who are not really into craft coffee, not really into craft beer or not really into craft fitness might go to Starbucks, drink a Bud Light and get to the plan of fitness. Right. Mm -hmm. I would also even argue though, that there are individuals who do not care about those three. The only thing that they desire to then go to the craft coffee, craft brewery, or the craft fitness spot is it's a status. It's a lifestyle thing. It's a curated, it's a, it's a networking. There's a, so there's Starbucks on the street for me. I go to the craft coffee shop and I honestly, I like, I like coffee, but I wouldn't know the fucking difference. If you gave me gas station coffee, you gave me like a, a whatever, a really good cup of coffee. I'm just completely ignorant to that. But I go there and I go there. Why? Because when I walk in there, I see people that I feel match me better. Like they look like they're busy. They look like they're important and they can afford to spend six bucks on a cup of coffee, cup of coffee. I would rather be there than at the quick trip restaurant where people are getting a dollar cup of coffee. It's like a status thing. And so and I think this is important for gym owners to listen to because I think everyone who owns a gym thinks 
everyone in my gym cares innately about this fitness a ton. They really do care about it. It's very, very important. Some of them don't. You're just convenient to them and they like your branding. They like the people that are there. They want to get in, get sweaty, get the fuck out. They don't care for that 15 minute pre-class rendition as to how to strategize the over the bar burpees. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's not that important to them. Yep. And you know what? I think like those, they're actually kind of easy to identify because the people who are posting, you know, uh, Instagram posts about themselves doing 125 pound deadlift or something, you know, it's like, they're doing it for the status, for the recognition, to show people that they're into their fitness, that they're strong, whatever it is, wherever their motivation is, isn't wrong, Yeah. but they're, they may or may not be like trying to be a D one track star, you know? And I'm actually, I I've always played on the side and this isn't completely hundred percent. I never really wanted the overly like involved, the person who was really, really into fitness. And I, I've seen, so I go to craft breweries, right? I don't do IPAs and stuff. I do whatever light bitch beer they have. Cause that's, that's my game or a Porter, <laughs> but like there are guys that are there and they, they know what, like they're customers and they know everything about Peruvian hops. And then all of a sudden the head brewmaster changes the recipe a little bit, just like a CrossFit coach might change the programming a little bit after he goes to an OPEX course or something like that. And this guy's like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. you're not using those Peruvian hops anymore. Are you using some of those ones from Sweden? Fuck those. Like he's got an opinion about it as an educated consumer. And that's the thing with fitness is you get some people who get super educated and super into it. Now they can tell that coach, I don't like the recipe you cooked up in this programming. I think this online coach or this other gym's programming is better. And he's basing this off him, like doing research on it for the past six weeks. That's why, like, I just tell people, like, be wary of the overeducated consumer, the connoisseur. They are highly more likely to find flaws in what you do versus the consumer that's there and just like, feed me the coffee, feed me that's the beer. I'll, you know. Super good point. Yep. So, okay, let's, from there, talk to me a little bit more about with push press in, the, in this next thing. Like, what other changes are you have? Are you going to have, you know, are you having to do a bunch more hires? Are you having to go out and acquire, like, are you guys, what does this look like? Uh, I mean, we've been growing our team like crazy. Um, I, last year alone, we more than doubled our team. And I think our engineering team alone grew by like 400%. So um, again, unfortunately with building software, you've got to hire engineers. Engineers not only are really expensive to hire, hard to find, and they take a long time to train. So I think another misconception people have with software is like, oh, you just hired two engineers. So this thing should be done next month. Well, it's like, takes them a month for understand for them to understand our development environment it takes another month for them to even understand like most most of these engineers they're not coming from coaching backgrounds so it's like they have to be taught like what does an appointment mean in a fitness setting and why is it important for you know it to be set up this way like they have to learn the fitness aspect of things whereas most of our front end customer or customer support and sales and and onboarding people are from the gym world the engineers are a little tougher right so it's like there's a big spool up time and a big investment we have to make to get those guys going I, uh, I never got a chance to go up to the one Reebok location, the corporate Reebok facility that had the giant fucking gym inside of it. Um, I never got a chance to go there, but I always thought that was very interesting because I, I do, I can, I can assume, make this assumption as an, outs, an outsider for a, a software company like yours. If the individuals working within the fitness, you know, with doing the engineering, the programming, the designing, the UX, the UI, all that don't exactly get the ins and outs of being a fitness customer. There's pro it's probably a much slower process to get a really good product out to the consumer. That's what I always thought was interesting with Reebok. 
you know, they made it part of that health, their healthcare program. You got to attend X amount of classes and they made them do fuck. I mean, almost essentially forcing people to do CrossFit mm -hmm. to some degree at that giant campus. And I'm curious, you know, cause I would say even before the Glassman Reebok kind of divorce thing happened, that was a pro that was a pretty synergistic relationship, decent, good shoes. They got the idea, blah, blah. Like, I, I, do you feel that for a company like yours or any software company, anyone listening to this that is adjacent to the fitness industry or supports the fitness industry, would it, if you could, if you could wave your magic wand and not get in trouble with HR, just make sure, make everyone go to some kind of a micro gym three days a week to get a really good idea as to what this experience is like and use our app to register for class and blah, blah. Do you think you'd have a better business, like oh. a better product out? Yeah, 1000%. The problem is, um, oh, there's multiple problems to that in general, but one, yeah, you can't force people to do it. So like we, we will, yeah. we, we definitely encourage people to attend. In most, most cases people do, or they are into fitness too, but it's again, it's a different thing to be a customer at a gym and to be a coach at a gym or a front desk or an owner, right? So they're all different lenses. Um, and then you got to remember there's other flavors too. So it's like, you know, are they an MMA customer, uh, you know, an MMA student at an MMA gym, but they don't understand nothing about yoga, right? Yeah. And and we're speaking again. This adds this adds to like the fourth dimension of the complexity is like everything else I've I've mentioned, but we're not a CrossFit specific software per se. And um, although we've we've all kind of come out of the CrossFit world, like I owned a CrossFit gym, most people most yeah. people here have. Um, there's also gyms and other industries and other niches that need our help as well. And we are, you know, we are not excluding them from, from helping them. Are you, the similarity, and when you say we all came out of, I, I look at everything today. I mean, everything is, I look at it as pizza. So pizza is pizza. There's thin crust, there's, you know, deep dish, there's Chicago style, there's the oven, but, you know, grill, whatever. And then there's fitness, there's, there's workouts and workouts are all cross-fitted. They're all constantly varied functional movements, a high, you know, at, at some level of intensity, right? Grassman kind of just created a definition that now fits fucking everything. Everything is some version of CrossFit now that is popularized. It all came bred out of that. Now there are, you know, what I'm seeing a lot of, we just did a WTF weekly, my newsletter on it. We're seeing a ton of things like play like rock climbing facilities are coming out like crazy. Brazilian jiu-jitsu thinks that Joe Rogan in the UFC is crazy fucking popular and locations are open up all over the country. Are you seeing a rise of these alternative, what I call like play models, something that is maybe someone's go-to fitness, but for a lot of people, it's auxiliary. It's something that's like one third of the week type scenario. And then their, their micro gym CrossFit, whatever might be two thirds of the week. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I don't want to necessarily make it a zero sum game like people can't do jujitsu if they do CrossFit and vice versa. So it's like they could cross over. Yeah. But I do see the user base for all of these ninja studios, rock climbing gyms, parkour, um, yeah, yeah, parkour, CrossFit, MMA. Really, it's the same thing. It's like you get into something, you want to get really good at it. There's some aspirational level to it that like you're what you're watching, some, you know, on a UFC fight, you're watching a American Ninja thing. You're watching um, CrossFit games and it's like, you want to unlock levels of growth, right? And that's the same for all of those studios, even at yoga, you know, you can get to a point where you're doing these crazy poses, you know, yeah. inversions and stuff. So it really is the same thing and that people are competitive and they're trying to unlock better versions of themselves and they're attaching that to a fitness modality, right? Yeah. yeah. You ever, uh, familiar with the level method? Nate yeah. Holiday created. Okay. I love, I, I love the idea. Of what I done. love the idea too. I, I was, you know, um, I was always wondering why it didn't take off 
more because you look at what happens in just karate, any kind of mixed martial arts, anything with a belt system, anything with an ascension system is just the stickiness is absolutely insane. And CrossFit's kind of maybe had that, you know, but most boutique fitness doesn't, doesn't have any kind of an ascension. It's kind of come on in, straight the class model, do your thing, leave and cancel when you're going to go try something else. And I was just, I'd be, I, I'm just always curious why that didn't, why the attachment wasn't there more. Was it gyms wanted more control of their program? I, I just couldn't figure out, but I always thought it was a great ingenious idea. I agree. Uh, I, I don't have an, my dog's going crazy here. Don't worry. Mine's over here doing the same thing. No worries. I don't have an answer for why it didn't. Hold on one second. <laughs> As Dan goes on mute and just yelling at the dog. I'm trying to get someone to pay attention. Uh, someone knocked, I think the mailman knocked at the door and she went crazy. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. In fact, it does seem like it's gotten some traction. I, I mean, but one of the hardest things as we know as business people, and I don't think all CrossFit gyms have experienced this because tr traction comes relatively easy for a, like you get your first hundred people. Yep. Right. Um, and in normal business, like to get your first hundred clients is really hard. Right. So it might just be a thing that they've got some traction, but they didn't get exponential growth or some type of a, a boom. And it could have been like technology or an integration. Like I've talked to them several times. We've just been too busy to try and figure out a way to work it directly into push press, but I can imagine things like that could help. Um, they're probably doing the same thing. Like they're slogged with, they've got a really good system. They've got a really good idea and now they have to build technology around it. And that becomes really hard for, for people. Like I come from the technology world and building this was really, really hard. And I can't imagine, and I don't know if the level method guys were technologists or not, or software developers or not, but I've seen way too many people think like, oh, I'll just build an app for that. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll be good. And then it's like two years later and a hundred grand later, it's like no app, you know, what happened? Yeah. So it's hard. And going back to that, you're a tech guy. I don't know. Do you remember it was real early Foursquare? Foursquare oh, yeah. was an app. And, and so, I mean, I remember the virality of that. And if everyone not familiar, Foursquare allowed you to check into your favorite bar, restaurant, wherever. And the more times you checked in, you could become the mayor. And then if you checked in more, someone else checked in more than you, they could debunk you. And then now they're the mayor. They have a higher level of status. Same thing with Pokemon Go when that whole, you know, AR thing came out. It, yes, like that level of gamification and creating status and ups and downs. I think that's what CrossFit got, you know, right with the leaderboard. I think it definitely went off in the wrong direction for the most part, if they're going to go high volume GPP um, type scenario. But uh, yeah, I, to, to echo your point. Yes. It's very, um, it's interesting. Like, how do you get people to get really sticky and addicted? You know, what's uh, Warren Buffett's favorite line? You know, he's like the best business out there is something that costs a penny you sell for a dollar and it's addicting. That's the best yeah. business thing out there. Like in the last part, the most, the hardest part, how do you make this something that is overly addicting? You know, like, like anything that we have in life, like Netflix or, you know, get shipped or Instacart for a month. Do And then go try to go back and getting your own fucking groceries. Good luck. Right. Like it's, it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, this kind of dives into the topic that, that um, I like to get gym owners thinking about, and I'm sure it's something that, that you, that you, that you talk about a lot too. And, and the, the term that I use is called manufacturing experience, right? Not necessarily manufacturing outcome, but manufacturing experience. And, and I think a lot of that, like when you go back to the coffee shop you're talking about, yeah, that's, it's like everything there, the lighting, the people that are there, the way the seats that are laid out, the Instagram wall that they have, like all of that is about manufacturing experience. And, and that is like, 
in the gym, people don't realize there's so many angles to man, so many opportunities to manufacture experience, right? Yeah. And um, it always starts with like, what outcome do you, what kind of outcome do you want? Do I, am I trying to get a referral? Am I trying to close a sale? Am I trying to get a, you know, um, a member past two, 24 months, whatever it is. And you build the experience towards that. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's so funny you say that. So this one rec center I used to go to when I was in Nashville, Tennessee. So it was a rec center, basketball courts, weight room, just like anything else. Every garbage can had a three point line around it. Their basketball courts were incredible. Right. So like, you're going to go throw your water bottle and everyone's like, Kobe. And like, that was just, everybody did it. And guess what? If a stranger sunk it from across the gym and you were doing a, you'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Like everyone got excited. I don't know whose idea what that was, but that was a manufactured experience. Yeah. It was yeah. absolutely incredible. It created, it made you want to go use their 16 basketball courts that they had. And it, it was just, it was something I thought that was super cool. And just, it's always attention to detail. And those are the brands. Like when I tell gyms to go on field trips, go see the Alchemy 365s and the Metabolics of the World and the, you know, the John Reed Fitnesses and all that kind of stuff. And Go and see what people who have paid a lot of money or just are really good at, you know, creating client experience have done with these physical locations. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because something as simple as a three-point line or on a trash can, like I've just, I mentally let myself escape into that experience as you were talking about it. Yeah. And what's it going to make me do? Like, I'm almost going to want to have trash. Yes. You know what exactly, I mean? Like, yeah. like how, do, how do you create a situation where like, I'm stoked to have trash because now I get an opportunity to take a shot. In the, in the weight room. And this is pre-COVID more people cleaned up the weight room than ever. Cause then they would do it with the wipe. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful. Take a shot. Exactly. Exactly. What else see what's else on your mind? You know, again, I just, I think it's super interesting talking to someone like you, who is like, I look at you guys as like, kind of like the Oz, like you're there behind the curtain with this software that essentially is the, is the, is the access point to a micro gym owner's life. Like without you, I'm having to go and, you know, uh, you know, Zapier acuity and Google sheets and some kind of BS kind of platform. Like, I'm, what, like what's, what are my options? Yeah. So you guys sit there behind the curtain of seeing all this and you have to understand what's going on with the micro gym industry. Cause you're obviously creating the features and amenities and products for them. What else is on your mind? What else are you seeing? What else is like, you know, what questions do you have if the audience was literally live right here? Like, why the fuck are you guys doing it like this? Or I like how you do uh, this. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the bigger things to explain. So, I mean, the first one, and, and this is going to be announced on uh, what March, March 31st. So if this gets out beforehand, we're doing a, a big event um, to announce the stuff is going to be the, the using of data to help automate gyms better. Right. And, and my, the goal that I've put out to the team is I want a self-driving gym, right? Like I want this to be fully self-driving. Um, just like a Tesla, you can take the wheel if you want to. If you think you're, you could take the turns better than the Tesla can, take the turns yourself. But if you kind of want to just like let the thing drive, it won't drive the best. It won't be better than you, but it can, it can get you from point A to point B, then it's there. That's our kind of uh, three-year goal. The, the second big thing that we've kind of been, we've been built upon from the get-go, but we are going to actually like quadruple down on in the future, in the near future is our platform. And that's, uh, so we have like an app store inside of PushPress. And um, this kind of goes back to like me and the co-founders, we're, we're technologists, we're super, we, we were, I had an iPhone one when iPhone one came out, like it's, it's, it is who we are. And we understood that building against an app store was the simplest way to um, increase flexibility and functionality without making it confusing as fuck, right? So 
Um, we're actually going to be building towards the idea of a full-blown app store where if you want to come in and create a WTF app and have it do whatever it needed to do within PushPress and send data where it needed to send, get data where in, you know, you actually More like Android, less like Apple. No, no. Um, well, I guess, okay, I guess maybe, so you're not opening up the back end is what you're saying to PushPress for other developers to create their apps and things like that. That's where, like, no, that's where we will be going, yeah. Okay. So the, the end, again, not, we're now I'm talking three-year roadmap stuff. Um, will be literally like anyone can come and build an app to extend the functionality as they want to, right? That's yeah. the big picture. In the short terms, it's like, we're gonna be building towards that. We'll be building our own apps. We'll be leveraging the platform and the technologies to do what we eventually want everyone else to be able to do. But um, the idea of a platform is cool because it will, like in the beginning, we were the first ones to use Zapier because we knew integrations were gonna be big. But then it became, you know, the complaint became, oh, I've got like 18 different Zapier accounts and 45 different Zaps firing on everything. And I'm yeah. like, it's fucking too much for me to manage. I just want to run my gym. So now as we keep refining, like take that away from them, build the Zapier type functionality. Like we're going to basically build our own Zapier at this point, right? Like, and um, that's the crazy thing about this, you know, going back to your question earlier about how hard is it to build software? we basically build as a feature what billion dollar companies have built as a business, right? So like, we're literally gonna build Zapier into PushPress, our own code, everything will be ours and it will be built so that gym owners don't have to use Zapier. So we're gonna invest all that money and energy just so that you as a gym owner don't have to figure out how to use Zapier anymore, right? It's gonna cost us millions, but across you know tens of thousands of gyms, it's worth it. But for, you know, so um, that platform, I think is that and the, the future of data are the two, huge things that we're going to be pushing towards that are going to change the entire industry. Yeah. What does push press think about the world of wearables right now? They're, they're largely inaccurate, right? So it's, and it goes back to the whole data thing, right? Like gar garbage data in is garbage data out, right? I do think they're going to get better. I do think relatively speaking, they provide a good opportunity to, to get a, a lens into what's happening. The value point for me is like, what's happening outside of the gym, right? So if I know the one hour you're here, if I could, if I can know the 23 hours, you're not, that makes, helps the system, you know, the automated system and the coach make better decisions as well. Um, like, still, so for example, just, is this kind of the idea somebody cancels and we've been, they gave us a, they gave permission on our app to have access to their, their Apple watch data. And we know that the only hour of the day that they're actually active are the two days a week they were showing up to the gym. And they're pretty much sedentary the rest of the other time with whatever Apple watch data we get. We can then correlate that somebody who is not active with their, like, are you like that kind of, that kind of a thing? I mean, yeah, that, that could help on the churn model into things, right? Like, or it could be like, you know, every time they cancel and they, and they, before they were very sedentary and now it's like, they can't, they're not coming to classes, but they are doing an hour. Some, they are doing an hour activity somewhere. Yeah. Right. That can paint a pretty clear picture that they're going to another gym or doing something else. Yeah. Right? They're involved in fitness um, elsewhere. It's a bigger part of their lifestyle. And then it, it can also be used. And this goes back to the experience thing. It could be used to gamify, um, it's, you know, the experience within the gym. So it's just like, you know, Hey, going to the gym should be used to enhance your life in general. So yeah. if you go out for hikes, if you go out for swims, if you're participating in like adventure races and shit, that's great. So you can almost reward your people for saying like, you know, I want you to come to the gym three times a week and do something outside the gym three times a week. And that could be a gym ethos, right? Yeah. Your, your original statement about data was so interesting to me because it is like data at, at, for, you know, for the gym owner, thinking about it with his clients, it's just, uh, they're just pretend points. It's like, why do you like seeing your credit score go up? 
it's just pretend points, unless you're going to buy something in which the lender mm -hmm. then deems a certain number, whatever. But in the meantime, it's just, you like seeing that kind of thing. We like seeing weight on the scale go down, but I've always, you know, the one idea, like if I had the whereabouts and the know-how, I would, I would love for somebody to spend all the money in the world to make smart collars that go on the ends of the barbell and where orange theory has the heart rate monitor of where your heart rate is. CrossFit gyms, barbell based strength and conditioning could literally be monitoring everybody's reps. It knew exactly in real time when you completed a rep, when you didn't, it could tell you if you were doing it at tempo or not. Like in my head, that'd be this perfect, amazing high tech fucking micro gym in which that is now what's calculated. Cause I think you're right. Heart rate, highly inaccurate. Not that, you know, this would be more accurate, but it's also, eh, it's not, it's, it's, it's not novel. I mean, I wore a polar heart rate monitor in high school PE. This is in 2000. Like, I mean, like that's not, this isn't new tech for the most part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think gamification is something that we're going to see more of. And it always made me wonder, is whoop going to go ahead and allow gyms to license whoops, you know, with their logo and their brand on it, and then have a whoop database tied to the leaderboard TV at the front of the fucking gym to show people strains in a workout and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the data of everything is, is kind of the king. It is what fuels the modern economy. And um, it can be, you know, either you can be, it can be put to use for you, or it can be put to use, I, I don't want to say against you, but um, I think it's important that the data in the systems that you use are kind of leveraged for your benefit, you know, sure. as much as possible. Yeah. And, and that's largely out of the hands of like a, a gym owner because they don't know how to slice the data, interpret the data, build the data sets, like all that stuff. So you've got to rely on someone like us to do that. Right. Yeah. What else you seeing, man? What else are you thinking? What else are, like, what other topics are, you know, are, you know, are at the top of your head in the fitness industry, micro gym wise? I mean, there's honestly a lot. I, I just have a lot of reason to be pretty bullish about um, micro gyms in the near future. I do think platforms like ours are going to make gym ownership. I mean, here's the thing. If you owned a gym in the year 2000, think about how much harder it was than to own a gym today. And, and, sure. and there are a million inefficiencies today, but imagine like literally trying to collect checks from people yep. in the year 2000 or running around with a credit card machine or something, right? Like technology has made it easier, but I think, uh, sorry, I think, um, yeah it's, it's going to ex technology expand exponentially advances. So yeah. we're, we're sitting at like the inflection point right now, which is really exciting to me because all the growth we've seen so far has only ticked up some. And I think it's about to like, it's, it's about to hockey stick upwards now in terms of efficiency. I agree. Um, one thing I'd love to get your opinion on it here before we close out. So I'm always trying to think around the corner, right? And I, I look at like there was a predominant model forever, and that was the the health club global gym model. And then entered, you know, the boutique scene. We started with curves, we got the CrossFit, and we are where we are today. And, and the global gym model still like there's plenty of good brands that are still doing amazing things with those models and uh, lifetime fitness and all that kind of shit. But in my head, I'm like, okay, well, th there's going to spawn off another model here at some point. And what I keep going back to is where we, you and me came out of with CrossFit, right? And, and what we've done and what, which essentially what we did, we ran gyms, but ultimately if we really fucking think about it, what we were doing, I mean, you did this, you were at what, CrossFit LAX or LAX CrossFit, you did it there for years. And then you did it with Torrance Training Labs, you educated you educated people. You made them closer to autonomy 
in their ability to fitness. Yep. And you see that CrossFit gyms see that clients that have been there five or more years are more likely to have their own requests, their own desires, their own recipe wants and needs. They And then they can start with online when COVID happened. And now there's an online coach for each kind. You want a functional bodybuilding coach. You want a big ass coach. You want a bodyweight calisthenics parkour coach. You can find that person. I believe the next iteration of a gym is going to be one that has a group setting, but it, it kind of looks like individual design, but to the tune of 24 seven, go in, it's got all the, the bells and whistles that you would want in it. It allows you to go in and access and do your own programming, but still creates community. Everyone says global gyms don't have community. And trust me, I started off there. That's complete bullshit. It's busy at 6 PM. Cause that's when everybody wants to go. And when you're doing curls in the squat rack, you're doing it with everything you got. Cause there's people on each side of you, whether they're looking at you or not, that is the community. You say hi to the same people you see, you talk to the front desk girl. There is still a community there different than a small group training model. But I believe that we can't keep educating all these CrossFit and I mean, other models besides CrossFit, keep educating and educating, having all this online information and Ben Patrick with knees over toes guy and all these people and not expect everyone to kind of come up like kind of deviate and go chase a different recipe, which will not be able to be entertained by the gym they're currently at, unless that gym has a dedicated area for some kind of open gym kind of access model. I believe this open gym, this hybrid model where there's some classes, but there's also this thing because this the open gym thing, far less payroll, way easier to fucking manage. And it allows people to have a relationship with the fitness that takes you out of it. You're essentially leasing them the space 24 yeah. seven. And um, anyway, I just, I just uh, soapbox that entire thing, but would love to hear your thoughts. No, I think that's um, super relevant and actually very well thought through my my thinking all along was and you've just literally in the last you know a minute or two have expanded my thinking has been hybrid in the in the sense like i i, I was thinking our industry is gonna go hybrid in the sense of at home and you yeah you get two days here i send you yeah. at home with three days of work but there's no reason that can't happen in an open gym setting and that also you, how you work with, it would be interesting to see, and this, this might be something that can be aggregated, but like, yeah, if you can pick a Marcus Philly to work with, but it somehow congrues with the group class that you're doing, or, you know what I mean? Like, sure. I mean, that's I, an interesting concept. And I saw what Marcus said the other day, I didn't bring this up, but it's like, you know, if this hybrid model were to take off, could I, as a, can I be, can I pay for a license for street parking, functional bodybuilding, Paragon training methods, Ryan Fisher's chalk performance training and pay a licensing fee and then offer that to any of my customers. Hey, you guys, we, we, you know, you can go in and access any of these accounts that we pay these programming Ooh. models we pay for. And the nice thing is, is now you get to, you know, if someone's like, man, I hate Ryan's workouts recently, these suck. That's, they're not canceling your open gym thing. He's just going to go bounce to someone else. It allows them to infinitely, as an autonomous fitness person, bounce back and forth between programming models, however the fuck they want. Because guess what's common? The ingredients, the equipment, not the recipes. The recipes are what unique. Let Marcus be shirtless on every fucking video that he has to do on Instagram every day, you know, for that person. And let, you know, Lori LCK do the same thing. You now just act, provide the opportunity. Like, and I think I found that now with me going to open gym. Right. Like I go work out at a, across the gym that is open gym access. I have a 10,000 square foot building. I just do my, I do tempo training at, and that's, that's the beauty of it. And then I jump into a group class every now and then for shits and gigs when yeah. it it's a workout that I want to do at a time that's convenient for me. But um, yeah, anyway, that's just, that's been this thing at the back of my head as I try to look around the corner and play Nostradamus over here. I think, uh, I think you're onto something. I've always had the thesis that like, even in the old days, like in the 20, you know, oh, that's not that old, but you know, the 2010 era, 
I was even, I remember talking to my partners that like people get into things and then they kind of plateau and then they find like, they'll get into only weightlifting for a while and they'll plateau and then they'll do some strength training for a while and plateau. And then they'll do gymnastics. They want to get their muscle up for a while and then they'll plateau. And then they've run out of shit in the CrossFit gym and then they go do yoga. Right. And that, that seemed to be the pattern I saw at the gyms I was running. So this would actually get, you know, you just want to extend the things they can get into long and longer. Right. Right. Yeah. And then maybe they come all the way back around. If you give them long enough, they come back, oh, let me do some Olympic weightlifting again, right? The fitness is constantly evolving. You know what hasn't changed in over 60 years? A fucking barbell. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think it needs to change. I think it needs to get smaller and more compact. But at the end of the day, that's where it's like, I'm going to put my money on the thing. I'll pay for that rogue rig, and that's going to last for 20 years. You know, this fitness methodology might be done in 12 or yeah. might not be as popular in 12. So, um, yeah, that was just somewhere my brain's going. Interesting. Yeah. Dan, listen, if anyone wants to get in contact, A, because maybe their current member management software is annoying the shit out of them and they want to check out what uh, Push Press said. And let me go ahead and just make this claim around this. I, um, I personally, uh, I've never used push press when I was a gym owner. However, you and me have always had a good relationship and not, and what I've been doing since 2015, I would say push press is probably the predominant platform. The majority of the gym owners I work with use. And I've got to say that when they are getting reporting for the numbers I want, or when we're talking about logistics and stuff like that, they don't have as many headaches as some of the other play. And I want to want to name other names and things like that. So I just, um, you know, you guys have made an obviously a solid fucking product. I'm always excited to talk with someone who's willing to put a bunch of time, money and energy on the line to innovate and do something big that maybe no one else is doing because that's a huge risk. It's a huge risk. The market might not want it. It might not work. It might, it, it's a huge risk. And um, I don't know. I always, I was guys who have balls to go ahead and do that. I would give the utmost respect for me. So, uh, you know, great job on everything you've done. Keep doing it. My clients fucking like it. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, cause they're looking to maybe get a demo and see what it is push press has got going on. How should they get in contact with you guys? Um, I would just say go to pushpress.com. They can, um, from there, it's like, we do have a free product that they can, they can kind of kick tires on. There's two different types of shoppers either. Like I'm the type who likes to monkey around with stuff. So that, that would appeal to me, or you can go down the path of like getting a full demo and having questions answered exactly what you want either way. The other thing I did, I did mention earlier, um, we are doing what we call a power up event. It's basically like, we're fucking Apple fanboys here. We love auto magic and shit and sexy yeah, stuff. Yeah. And uh, so we basically adopted this twice a year product announcement, uh, you know, in the style of Apple type thing. Um, that was a live event on, in real life. Uh, no, it's not. It's not live. It's it's produced. It's going to be produced just because I've seen too many live events get fucked up unless you put sure. like $10 million behind it or something. So, um, yeah, but it's um, you can go to pushpress.com slash power up. That's one word if you want uh, to kind of register to check that out. That's that's where we're going to introduce a lot of concepts. Uh, this will probably be the first podcast or any type of information where we actually talk about like what the future is in terms of the AI stuff. So if you heard cool. this, you're probably the first person hearing it. Um, but yeah, we're going to go kind of more in depth into what that can look like. You guys have a and, date for that power up yet? Yeah, it's March 31st, 2020. What are we at? 22? Yeah. 22. March 31st, 2022. And then what time? You know? Oh, God, I should know. This. Give me the information so I can make sure to put in the show notes in the post and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure to have it. If there's a, if there, is there a link someone needs to go like for them to be able to go see once it's up and live? Um, it'll all be replayed in kind of a, if you go to pushpress.com slash power up one word, it's a, it's at 10 30 AM Pacific on March cool. 31st. So yeah, yep. we've got all the information there and we'll put the replay there and, and stuff like that once it's cool. all, all done. Awesome. Dan, it is always a pleasure jamming with you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Stu. It was great. You got it.